Hello, hey guys, welcome to another episode of Yesterday's Capers. I'm Abdullah Molim, and this podcast will take you on the best ever trip down memory lane. We're going back to school this week, and we'll be looking at some of the best high school TV dramas the world has to offer. And on the head to head, we'll be going to Australia for the very first time as we look at Heartbreak High. And could there be two different girls who look the same? That's right. Heartbreak High will be going up against Sweet Valley High. And for the main event, we'll be looking at Grange Hill. That's right, we're going to try and cram 30 years of television into about 29 minutes and 54 seconds. We'll be looking at how Grange Hill dealt with some of the most important issues of our time, including drugs, racism, HIV, teen pregnancies, and everything in between. So, let's get started. And joining me as ever is my friend Chris, all the way from the United States. How you doing, Chris? Good, good, good. Right, let's 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 get right into it, and uh, we're going to start off with our first offering from Australia, and hopefully it won't be the last. It's Heartbreak High. It came out in February 1994, so the things that happened in uh, 19. Did I say 1984? 94. Okay, well, I was right the first time. It came out in February 1994. Some of the things that happened in 1994 was The Scream by the Norwegian painter Edvard Munch was stolen in Oslo, which was uh, very, very bad. Yikes. And also, one of the other things that happened, which was quite significant, was the Israeli Prime Minister, Shimon Peres, signed an accord with Yasser Arafat, which I think led the way to the Oslo Accords. Chris is a uh, Chris. Paul is showing me something. Not not quite sure what you're showing me exactly. Uh, sadly, uh, the late great Ayrton Senna died in 1994 uh, at Imola. Oh, okay. Formula One driver. I don't know. I'm I'm very aware who Ayrton Senna was. Yes, I was. I was. I was very very sad. Thank you for that, producer Paul. I was going to mention it, honest. Um, Also, the films that came out... (laughs) The films that came out in 1994 was Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, Mm. and My Girl 2. Oh, My Girl 2, I don't remember, but Ace Ventura, I definitely remember. Yeah, yeah, I I, I like Ace Ventura, and it's probably a cartoon we'll end up doing down the line. Hmm. I don't remember the cartoon. I'll have to do research on that one. Did you not? No, I don't remember that. Ace Ventura, pet detective on the run. <laughs> yeah, but it's uh, we'll, no. we'll get to that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the uh, the number one song in February 1994 was D Ream with "Things Can Only Get Better." Things can only get better. That can't can be true. Can only get better. What do you mean? I don't even know that song. That can't be true. That that was the number one song. It was the number one song. In fact, Tony Blair used that song as part of oh. his uh, election campaign. Oh, I'm sorry. The number one UK song. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you do know the song, don't you? No, I don't know the song. That doesn't do anything for me. Oh, you're you're gonna, you're you're, you're going to love some of the songs that I've picked for number one in this episode. Then. Oh boy. I mean, you you will obviously know what was number one when Grange Hill came out in 1978. I'm fairly sure, but there's a 
very good chance you won't know what was number one in uh, October 94, which was when Sweet Valley High came out. Yeah, in the but, U.S., the number one song was I'll Make Love to You by Boys to Men. Ah, that's a, that's, that's a good song, that. Yeah, I mean, that's Do very you wish different. I said that? Do you wish I said that instead of Things Can Only Get Better? No, I just know that song. <laughs> 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 fair enough, fair enough. But yeah, like I said, Tony Tony Blair used this song as part of his uh, election campaign in 1997, which, you know, everybody was so optimistic because I think the country was down in the dumps and this song was used as a, as a motivational tool. And as the song says, things can only get better. It can't get any worse. Makes sense. Right. Anyways... Also in February 1994, we saw the debut of Heartbreak High, which was set in the fictional Hartley High in a multiracial area of Sydney. And it was obviously very gritty and very fast-paced than many of its actual other contemporaries, other than Grange Hill. But other than that, I think it was one of those where it was a, a TV show that really kind of dealt with some of the issues like race, drugs, domestic abuse, violence, all all all, all those things. And it kind of came from the 1993 film, actually, The Heartbreak Kid, which had actually featured Alex Dimitriades, who actually played Nick Poulos in the, um, in the Heartbreak High. So that was uh, an interesting, uh, an interesting note. And, Later on in the series, they kind of sort of moved away from the school, which they actually changed the name to Hartley Heights from Hartley High. And they actually went to the hangout place, which was the shark pool. So uh, in terms of Heartbreak High, what are your sort of initial thoughts? Well, at first I was really confused because of the way it was shot. And there's not really... Any, I I started with the pilot, and there's not really like yeah yeah. I mean, it sounds weird to say for the pilot, but there's not really like any explanation. They just show, throw you right into it. Yeah, it's just like he's getting ready in the bathroom, and they're all like treating him like I, that we've known him for like ten years. I'm like, did I pick the pilot? Yeah, <laughs> same. Like, yeah. Oh, he always does this. I'm like, does he? <laughs> I don't know that he always does this. He always takes yeah. forever or whatever. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. And then they're like driving to school and they, uh, at the stoplight, he and, uh, his cousin, they like, uh, hit on that girl that you find out is the teacher, which you're like, whoa, but the hit that's also treated like, oh, he's always like that. Like what is happening? I don't know yeah. that he's always like that. Yeah. But, um, I don't know the way it was shot. It was interesting. It made it feel like, I don't know, like a documentary or something kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of cool. Um, it did draw me in. Um, I don't know. It 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 was interesting for sure. Um, it it felt like there was a few times where there was supposed to be kind of like jokes, but because of the the way it looks, and I guess kind of the acting, they didn't come off as jokes. Mm. But I mean, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's not a big deal. I guess. I guess. <laughs> but it was just like, am I supposed to laugh at that? I don't know if I'm allowed to. Yeah. <laughs> Might be an Australian thing. Yeah, maybe. I mean, yeah, Australian listeners, if you 
if it was meant to be a joke, then uh, do let us know and do let us know the joke. Love a good joke, me. Love a good joke. <laughs> For me, <laughs> um, yeah, what I was going to say about the pilot was they they delved right in. It wasn't a case of, like you said, a traditional pilot where everyone's going, oh, who are you? I'm this person. Who are you? I'm this person. This is where we go. It was, yeah, they just went right in there. Right with the story with um, Jack, who was uh, Vietnamese, I believe. And he gets into spot of bother with uh, some of the other students, Riley. And then obviously it's like a, a race thing because they're saying, oh, look at you. And, you know, coming up with all the uh, typical racist tropes that you would sort of use for people who look like look like Jack. And so that was um, very interesting, I thought. And with the teacher as well, she's coming right into a inner city school where the students are unruly, kind of like reminds me of our school growing up where we're just like, oh, new teacher, fresh meat. We're going to we're going to wish she never, ever taught here and all of that, all of that good stuff. And then it was, again, going right to the, the whole race thing. And, you know, all the kids are, oh, you know, I, I come from here or I come from there or you're not really Australian and things like that. And, yeah, I, I thought that was a. Uh, that was quite interesting that they would go right into it right from the jump. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I was kind of surprised because you're, I'm still kind of disoriented. Like, okay, these people are like this and then they're, they're playing that soccer match. And then all of a sudden it just goes like deep yeah. into like, he's, they're calling each other names and all this stuff. And like, Whoa, this is really kicking off here. Wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I I kind of like that, like I said, because it reminds me of when I went to school in a typical inner city school. Yeah. Not everybody is nice. Not everybody's going to be all welcoming and right. all open arms and that kind of thing. It's always going to be right. There's going to be a, a big problem. There's always going to be gangs of kids sort of fighting amongst each other. You just want to, you don't want to be on the end of it. You don't want to be involved in it but it's like yeah this is what happens most of the times in in inner city schools and i appreciate that heartbreak high really went in there and really covered it and normally with like australian shows you wouldn't you'd rarely see like a, a diverse cast i've never like because i'm watching heartbreak high and it's like hang on they've actually got a black student or mm -hmm. they've got Asian students or they've got Arab students like the, uh, the counselor, uh, Yola Fatou, she's Lebanese or she at least plays a, a Lebanese person. You also had Rose, who was one of the main characters. She's also Lebanese. And it was like, okay, this is a, a diverse multiracial cast. And I'm watching that and I'm thinking, yeah, I, I really appreciate that. And I really, think it's cool that they would have a wide range of people regardless of who they were and where they come from and obviously nick as well the main character he's of greek descent and so mm -hmm. is his cousin con and that was really that was really good to watch yeah i mean i was surprised by that i guess is the word um most of the 
shows of a similar type in the in, from America in the '90s were not diverse like that. Yeah, and so it is really good to see. Um, you know, it wasn't really like pointed out in America back then, but now when you look back, it doesn't age that well. When mm. when it's just like all whitewashed, and so yeah, <laughs> um, it is really good to see that. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, in terms of uh, episodes of uh, Heartbreak High, what what caught your eye? Well, since I mostly just got through the pilot and then a few random clips that I don't really know how they fit in, I guess <laughs> the pilot. <laughs> you know, I will say one episode I watched that really not 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 wound me up, but. I'm watching it and I'm like, I'm cringing. It was uh, an episode where, um, oh, what's her name? I have to, I have to, I have to, I have to look it up. Um, one of the characters, I think she was new, Jody, Jody, that's it, yeah. And she's a, a singer. She loves to sing and whatnot. And so she all of a sudden gets into rap music, mm. and so she's in the part in playground, and she's like all rapping and stuff. And she isn't very good. It's like, it's like the whitest rap ever. And she's just going, you know, oh, playground is so crap. I hate school so much. It just, and it was just like, stop this episode. And I'm sitting there and I want to change it, but I can't. I'm just drawn into that episode. And it's all like, stop doing this. This is so cringe. Yeah. Why are you rapping? If you're a singer, and as we find out in the later episode, she leaves to pursue a music career. I'm watching it, and I'm like, oh, stop rapping. This is so cringe and embarrassing. Just, oh. That was one <laughs> episode I was just like, oh, God. That doesn't sound great. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you might have more willpower than me you might sit through that episode for like a minute and just be like no i don't want to watch it I don't me know i that. am i am committed to the cause for the good ship yesterday's capers i will sit through and i will watch the good the bad the ugly and everything in between oh wow well that's great <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what I what I do what I do actually have for Heartbreak High was I actually summarized all of the series, oh, okay. so I could sort of run through certain things and then you can kind of sort of chime in and see if you remember certain things. Yeah, I mean, in episode eight, Irene, who was Nick's mum, she dies in a car accident, so that was very sort of early on in the series. That was very um, unfortunate. Um, Nick and Jody end up dating, which I think he was interested in her in the first episode. But he actually hits her after she Ooh. went to Melbourne. Yeah, she, she went to Melbourne and she admitted that she had a fling with another guy. And he obviously wasn't best pleased about it. So he hits her, which is, uh, which is very unfortunate. Yeah, that's but not I think great. Yeah, I think, but I think the the acting for that was really good because you you really hate Nick. Mm. You're like, I thought he was meant to be like the protagonist, one of the the good guys and whatnot. But um, yeah, and also Rose, who I was talking about, one of the the, the Lebanese students, she gets pregnant with Jack. 
So they end up dating and then she gets pregnant and they have a baby called Jess. But Rose's dad doesn't approve of of Jack because he doesn't want her going out with an Asian guy. Again, more bigotry and racism. So that was, again, unfortunate. But I think in the end, he kind of, you know, accepts the fact that Rose is having a baby with Jack and he kind of sort of brings 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 Jack around and kind of they sort of turn it around, which was uh, good. Also, Miss Milano, who we were talking about, she leaves halfway through season one because she falls in love with Dr. Mac Winston, who's a, a pediatrician who kind of helps babies in Indonesia. And they sort of fall in love. And then he says, why don't you come and move with me to Indonesia? And she, she kind of accepts. And also Nick's dad, he decides that he wants to move back to Greece. And so Nick and his little sister, Effie, they move in with their aunt and aunt and uncle, who was Con's parents. So they so they move in there. And also Nick decides that he wants to pursue boxing, which Jody doesn't approve of, and they split up. And season one actually ends with Nick dying in the boxing ring. So Nick dies. Spoiler yeah. alert. <laughs> you have to say it before. <laughs> um, yeah, I you read know, that. You know Wicked. what? If if you are going to watch Heartbreak High, then nah, you know what? Don't don't listen to this podcast. But no, I'm, I won't say that. I'm well, I'm going to spoil it, and I, like you said, I'm 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 going to run through everything. I'm going to tell everyone who dies, who lives, who gets married, who sleeps with who. It's all it's it's all happening. Listen to this at a later date, but listen to the other stuff. There we are. I I, I bought it back, Chris. I bought it back. Yeah. Well, while I was watching, I did read that he was gonna die later. I was like, wow, that sucks to know that. <laughs> well, yeah, the the main character, right? Yeah. Because because you know normally with TV shows you don't want to kill the main guy off, but but yeah. you know what? This series one or season one went for like thirty eight episodes, so I guess he had a great run. So, well, you know, he's he's really good at getting ready, getting his hair ready <laughs> in the bathroom as he always does, and yeah, yeah, and um, to season two now, Chris, and uh, there's a new student in town, Matt Logan, and he basically causes a lot of trouble with the students because he's you know making a, a tribute video for Nick, but obviously he doesn't know who Nick is, and he's trying to find out who Nick is, but obviously because Nick is dead, and the students are still caught up about it so he kind of gets in the way of all of that also rose decides to marry jack and they both leave also yola and southgate who was like one of the teachers he they leave for a rural school and yeah i think that's pretty much season two season three we've got rivers who runs away with a teacher and also the principal, Delarane, he get he admit he is admitted to hospital because he has a heart attack. And also season three ends with Steve, who ends up in an accident. And okay, spoiler alert, he also dies. There oh, you go. No. There you go. I, I did it right this time. Yeah. Okay, yep, okay. Yep. 
Uh, yeah, so that's a, a grim way to start season four. And then Deloraine has another heart attack. And so he oh, decides no. to take an early retirement. And so he leaves. So as you can see, all of the original cast are slowly drifting away. And also Con, he leaves. He goes to America because he gets accepted uh, for a student exchange program. And Danielle, who was another one of the originals, she decided to take her reporter's job. And she goes to work in a television station in... And I apologize profusely in advance to Australian listeners. She goes to work in Wollongong, which I believe is a real place in Australia somewhere. And if I have pronounced that wrong, please accept my hearty apologies. It sounded good to me. <laughs> Wollongong. It doesn't sound real, but... I mean, I'm not going to try to start doing the accent and be super offensive, but a lot of that stuff in Australia doesn't necessarily sound real to me either. So, Well, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe an Australian will listen to this and be like, oh, rack off, you drongo, <laughs> which is, yeah, a bit, a bit of Australian bants there. So, Yeah, there was a, actually a YouTube video of like all the times they say rack off in Heartbreak High. Yeah, rack off, mate, rack off. In their uh, Australian accents. Series 5. We've now got Con who comes back from America. But he soon leaves again. Because he just wanted to come and visit. And we meet the new student. Drazik. Who is basically a, an unruly kid. And he you know, gets up to all sorts of trouble. And he basically causes a big old stir. And then that is when we kind of see the sort of the love story of Australian television was Drazik and Anita. Oh, will they? Won't they? Oh, they're back together again. And oh, they break up. And, you know, they kind of go through all the way. And, you know, there's one funny episode where Drazik has to do community service, but it doesn't work out because he ends up like beating a kid with the lollipop stick. So, yeah, that was one. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that yeah, that that is it is as funny as it sounds. Yeah, you can see Paul giggling over there, yeah. I just think some kids nowadays deserve that. <laughs> and so he ends up being a, a lifeguard, but then also that doesn't necessarily work out. And uh it kind of ends Heartbreak High in 1999 with Drazik who kind of gets into trouble with um, his sort of businesses and his dodgy dealings. And so he kind of tells the police who the sort of main guys are. So basically he snitched and kind of gets himself out of trouble. And then he proposes to Anita. And that is the end of Heartbreak High. Woo! Wow. Was there uh, anything that you were listening to that you kind of thought, oh, I remember this or I remember seeing this in my, uh, in my homework? Uh, no. <laughs> Sorry, it's all right, no. Chris. It's all right. Your your time to shine will come when we talk about the next show. Yep. Sweet Valley, Sweet Valley High. Yep. This came out in, oh, September 1994. I said October before, but yeah. September 1994 was when Sweet Valley High hit the screens.
some of the things that were happening was Friends made its TV debut mm -hmm. in September 1994. Also, the actor Jackson Pickney was awarded $487,000 for being partially blinded by Jean-Claude Van Damme during the filming of Cyborg. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. I didn't know that. <laughs> And also the uh, the first phase of the O.J. Simpson murder trial. Mm -hmm. Basically, they selected the jury. They chose about 300 odd people. So we'll probably end up talking about something to do with O.J. when we do our little news thing anyway. Whether it's him chasing, being chased in a Bronco or the trial or all that good stuff. Well, maybe not good stuff, but... Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not great. No. Yeah, not at all. And also the film that was out at the time was Shawshank Redemption. That's a mm. good film, that. Yeah, excellent film. And the number one song, I know you're looking forward to hearing this, was Saturday Night by Wigfield. What? Please tell me you know this song. No, what? Saturday Night. Na, 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 na. Mini Baby. Oh. It's like an anthem. No, I don't know um, that one. I'm you too must, American. You well, this is an education for you. I couldn't. Well, you gave me songs to listen to, and that wasn't on the list. <laughs> we'll get to those songs in a bit, anyway. But yeah, this is oh, Saturday Night by Wickfield. This was like I remember this song as a kid, and it was just like, oh, it's Saturday, and then we're just like going Saturday Night, no, 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 no. Pretty baby, but yeah, you 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 will love this song. It's 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 it's, it's, a, it's a fun pop song, and it was very very popular. Every school disco. Yeah, exactly. Also, yeah, it was played in every school disco. That okay. and Ooh Ah by Gina G, which we'll probably get to at some point. You will love that one and all, Chris. All right, and we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, as as we were saying, now we're going to Sweet Valley High, which was a uh, American comedy drama series, which was loosely based on the Francine Pascal book, which had the the same name, and it kind of revolves around the lives of Elizabeth and Jessica Wakefield, who were two blonde twins who live in the city of Sweet Valley in California. Obviously, you got Elizabeth, who is warm, friendly, and sincere. Whereas Jessica is just mischievous, irresponsible, and just, she's a wrong'un in every sense <laughs> of the word. I mean, all the lads probably fancied her in the 90s, but she was just a total wrong'un. Uh, yeah, she's not great. In the pilot, she just, uh, she gets up to no good. I don't know if we're getting into that yet or not, but. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, we can we can get into we can get right into it in into the pilot how she's trying to screw her sister over, mm -hmm. which we kind of get a, a good introduction of who Jessica really really is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was also a similar thing, even though I'd seen it. Uh, it wasn't really a show that I watched, but um, I've definitely seen it before. But it was really weird that the show just starts at like a dance and like everyone knows at each other. So I was like, okay, great. So all these shows <laughs> in the 90s just did that. Okay. Well, um, I think 
like I said, it's based on the books. So if you know there were people out there who knew the books or they loved reading the books, then they might already have an idea of who, right, who's who and what's what. So I think yeah, yeah. in terms of Sweet Valley High, I guess you can do that because if you're if you've read all the books. Then you you will you will watch it and you will already know who Jessica is, who Elizabeth is, who Enid is, or who Winston is, or who Todd is, or who Lila is. You you'll know all the all the characters. Right, that's fine. But it starts right in the middle of like they've apparently been campaigning for you know prom queen, <laughs> and uh, uh, you know uh, Jessica is all like expecting to win. Yeah. And she doesn't, but she's all like everyone's telling her that they voted for her, and you're yeah, like, oh okay, all right. We I feel like I've missed part of the show, but <laughs> that's just how it started. I think yeah, maybe like I said, if you if, maybe if you read the books. Well, spoiler alert: I didn't read any of the books. <laughs> 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 maybe I should have put that down on the homework list. I can tell also, you, hundred percent, I wouldn't have done that. Also, read the books of Sweet Valley High so that you can have a, an idea of who the characters are. But then, even if you read the books, you would have read a completely different product because the show is loosely based on the books. So it mm-hmm. doesn't actually... There's, like, episodes in Sweet Valley High which had sod all to do with the books. It was just something completely random, mm. which was just them doing whatever and them just getting up to all sorts and Jessica's just finding new ways to screw her twin sister over three ways to Sunday. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's pretty gross what she does in the first episode. I mean, she pretends to be Elizabeth, yeah. goes on the date with the frat guy. <laughs> the frat guy is gross. He harasses her. He tries to get her drunk. Yeah. Not that she wouldn't not that she knew that was going to happen, which is why she gets upset and leaves. Mm. But that's all just gross. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's all just like, oh, ooh, ooh, I don't feel great about any of this. No, and it's all of the chicanery and the all the stuff that she's doing and the backstabbing and the treachery and all of that and it's just like, why are you doing this and Yeah. And then there's like barely any like, uh, like Elizabeth is like kind of mad that she did it, and then she's <laughs> like, "You forgive me, right? Yeah, I do." But then she pranks her at the end, so you know, <laughs> I guess that's just how yeah. it goes at Sweet Valley High. I think every episode is like Jessica gets her comeuppance at the hands of Elizabeth. Yeah, which is yeah, just it was always the way because I think one episode was. I think they try to set up a, a news station or something, and basically Jessica is really, really bad at it, whereas Elizabeth was really, really good, and then sort of Jessica disguises as Elizabeth, and you know she just completely takes away the job from her twin sister, even though that's Elizabeth's dream. It's her kind of way of like this is what she wants to do, but Jessica's just like oh. I only want to do it because I'm pretty and I want to get on TV and I want fame and I want fortune and I want all of the lavish and lush things in life. and Yeah. Just makes her out to be a horrible wench. Yeah, she doesn't seem great. 
Um, <laughs> but also, um, you can't really beat the fact that um, Elizabeth likes to journal because yeah. everybody in the 90s loved a, a girl that likes to journal. I mean, that was even big on other shows like uh, Doogie Howser, how Doogie would always do his journal at the end of the each episode. Mm. So I was a huge fan of uh, after the prom, it goes to her bedroom and she's typing in this like really like obvious way that she's not typing on this <laughs> very 90s computer. And then it shows what was on her screen and I died laughing. Like, Go and read it out. Her, her journal was, last night was supposed to, oh, okay, so she won in a surprise upset. She won the prom queen. Um, so she, she writes in her journal, last night was supposed to be the happiest of my life. It wasn't. I really miss Todd. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> I just want to die. I'm surprised she didn't put that on there as well. And she, it, they made it look like she had been typing forever on it and she'd been working really hard. It's like <laughs> these three sentences, two of which are only a couple words. And it was just... Block oh capitals God. as well, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, all caps. Yeah, all caps. It was just... And then uh, Jessica comes in the room and starts like talking to her, you know, and she's like, doesn't even look at, like comment on the journal. She's like, just trying to like take her sweater so she can concoct her plan. It yeah, was just yeah. like, wow. Okay. <laughs> I mean, other, I mean, apart from that, what, were there any other episodes that caught your eye? Or? I mean, not really. Uh, like I said, like I had seen some before. Yeah. But, yeah. Like, not really watched it like i didn't really like even remember what the girls names were i just knew there were the two twins um and like i clicked through like a few other episodes but like i mean the acting in the show is bad like compared to other shows like especially yeah, stuff is, we're talking about in this episode but like other american shows like say by the bell and a lot of other shows that were on at the same time even though they're cheesy shows this show like they're all very stilted in the way that they talk. Yeah. And even the conversations aren't natural. And so it just wasn't very fun to watch. But at the same time, it was also really fun to watch because yeah. it was so bad. <laughs> yeah. See, like, I love shows like that. I love shows that are so bad, they end up being really, really good. Mm -hmm. Just, Just for like pure entertainment purposes you're just like sitting there and you're like oh my god this is such a mess but yeah it's a mess that i can that i can get behind yeah like there's so many things that i was laughing at in the pilot yeah um, that aren't supposed to be funny <laughs> yeah i mean elizabeth is like sh she gets in quotes stood up by the frat guy and so she decides to leave and go see todd and he's just like standing by a lake. <laughs> so stupid. And then what are he you goes, doing in the lake, mate? Yeah, he, he he just goes, "What are you doing here?" And she's like, "I could say the same to you." Or, no, that's not it. That's not what happened. He's like looking at a a tree that they, they like carved in together or whatever. So the the idea is that he's supposed to okay, just yeah, be yeah, standing there staring at the tree. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, "I remember when we carved that." No, oh, it's just. It's meant to be romantic, Chris. It was not. It was so bad. It was, it was meant to be like a poignant romantic moment where they reminisce about when 
they carved whatever it was they carved on the tree and it was just their initials it was yeah i don't know i mean one of the more one of the more serious and more powerful episodes of sweet valley high was the kidnapped episode which was a, a three-parter based on book 12 when love dies and also kidnapped so this was basically their elizabeth and jess are working in a hospital jess only works because like a famous tv producer is there and she's basically trying to worm her way in and in that hospital there's a, a really really creepy guy who works there and um hmm. i can't i can't i can't remember his name it might have been like peter or something but he's like a, an absolute creep he falls for elizabeth so he ends up kidnapping her so he's keeping her in this house of his and they manage to let they manage to find Elizabeth or Elizabeth escapes. But Peter, he kidnaps Jessica thinking it's Elizabeth. And so he kind of locks her up in this den or farm and the whole thing's on fire. But they somehow managed to get to Jessica on time. So that was quite a it's quite a deep episode for uh, Sweet Valley. I mean, it sounds pretty deep, but uh, it's hard for me to believe that it was really that deep. Because, <laughs> I mean, they I mean, almost, in the end, it was... They almost dealt with, like, rape in the first, in the pilot. Yeah. And it wasn't very deep. Yeah. <laughs> I know. But um, with this one, it was kind of like, yeah, this creepy guy. He's, like, sort of obsessed with Elizabeth. Because she was nice to him. So he just kind of takes that as a completely different avenue and that was yeah an episode that was quite uh yeah for sweet valley high it's it was pretty deep and the other episode that was quite interesting was uh, it was sort of set in the future so talk show host jessica she becomes a talk show host and and elizabeth becomes a journalist they return to sweet valley high to sell their house and they sort of reminisce about their time in Sweet Valley. And they kind of talk about the good times, the bad times, the ugly times. And also they kind of make a vow that, you know what, no matter how, in the end, they kind of wake up from this dream and they're like, you know what, no matter how busy our life gets, let's not, you know, let's always be in contact. Let's not be distant and that sort of thing. And the funny thing about this episode was it was set in the future but the technology was still <laughs> basic AF. Uh -huh. So they still had the big old brick phones, the big old brick computers, and nothing really had changed technologically. So it was quite funny that they did a, a set in the future episode, but with all the, uh, with all the amenities and the technologies of the 90s. They didn't pay attention to detail. Not a MacBook in sight. Not an <laughs> iPhone in sight. Definitely no. not. Right, so decision time. Mm. I think I'm going to go first this time. Mm -hmm. Just to see if we agree or not. So I'm going to go with Heartbreak High. I'm going to pick Heartbreak High over Sweet Valley High. I'm not because <laughs> Because I, I like the way that they dealt with some of the issues of a typical inner school, inner city school. I liked that it was very diverse and very progressive. I liked how some of the storylines were very, very powerful. 
I liked some of the the characters. Okay, the acting wasn't great, but I still think that in terms of storyline and things that they covered, I think Heartbreak High was a lot... It had a lot more to it than Sweet Valley High. Sweet Valley High is it's very cute. It's very... Oh, you can kind of watch that on the off chance if you're bored or whatnot. Maybe you can sort of sit down and watch that. And the theme song is very iconic. It, that's a, another theme song that really, really takes me back is the Sweet Valley High theme song. I... If I wasn't doing this podcast, I, I mean, I'd know the theme song and maybe I'd know the the two twins. But other than that, I wouldn't know a great deal too much about it. But yeah, Heartbreak High for me. Well, Heartbreak High is definitely a better show. The stories are done better. The acting, even though it is not great, as you said, it's still significantly better than Sweet Valley High. <laughs> But if I'm being honest, I didn't have that much fun watching it. Wow. Um, it was a little, like, kind of boring, I guess. It was long, wasn't yeah, it? It's also long, yep. 40 minutes. So, uh, is a chore. A, yeah. So, it's, yeah, it's a little bit of, yeah, a little bit of a chore, especially compared to uh, Grange Hill that we're going to talk to talk about. Um, so, in a surprise upset, I'm going Sweet Valley High. Oh, we finally have two different sides. Yeah, it's definitely not as good of a show, but because it's so bad, I had a great time watching it, and I want to watch <laughs> even more. Like, uh, I was watching that last night and some of the other stuff I was watching the day before, and I wanted to keep watching it, but it was already pretty late, so I, I didn't get to, but I kind of want to later. Like, I want to see... The, the kidnapping thing you're talking about and mm. maybe some other stuff. Just see how weird and cheesy it is. and <laughs> uh, I, I got to go with the, the fun factor here. Oh, Mr. Fun, Mr. Mm. Fun. Check yeah. you out. Yeah. But yeah, um, what was I going to say? Um, they do actually change around the, the actors. So different people are going to be playing different characters. So I know that there's a different Todd from season one and two from to season three to four. And there's also a different Lila who who was Jessica's best friend, the, mm-hmm. the redhead. But apparently they end up hating each other in, in the future. Yeah, I saw that on Wikipedia. <laughs> because I think Lila realizes what a what a horrible friend Jessica is and she's always using her. So right. I think in that in that respect she's just like, you know what, I've I'm gonna wash my hands off you and I'm completely and completely done with you. Right. Right, so now this brings us to the main event and woo, what a main event this is. <laughs> we're we're gonna try and break down and decipher thirty years of television in about thirty minutes. You reckon we could do it? Uh, I hope so, because I have somewhere to be. <laughs> <laughs> well, in that case, in that case, we'll get started right away. So, February 1978 was the year that Grange Hill made its on-screen debut. Some of the uh, world events that happened in that sort of year and month was the Egyptian president Anwar al-Sadat and U.S. President Jimmy Carter 
discussed the Middle East peace process in Washington, D.C. Also, Harriet Tubman becomes the first African-American woman to be honored on a U.S. postage stamp. Also, China lifts a ban on Aristotle, Shakespeare, and Dickens. Oh. So, good stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's good. I mean, minds were probably blown in Beijing from 1978 <laughs> onwards with all that incredible literature. Yep. Also, the film at the time was The Deer Hunter. You are uh, familiar with that? Yeah, I've seen The Deer Hunter. And the number one song in February 1978. Don't worry, Chris, even you know this one. This was fresh from Saturday Night Fever. So Staying Alive was number one in the charts. Yeah, I know it. There we are, yeah. From the film Saturday Night Fever. I don't know why Paul is laughing. It's a, a great song and the Bee Gees are a great British band. They're not American, they're British. I mean... I wouldn't call it a great song. A lot of their other songs are better, but... Of course, but Staying Alive is a great song. It's it's a lifesaver song as well because it's actually used when um, you learn sort of first aid training and when someone has a heart attack. So, yeah, yeah you a, kind of... There's a really good scene in The Office where they are doing that. <laughs> the American <laughs> Office, sorry. The, <laughs> the, fake, the fake office. Oh, shots fired. What did he say? I couldn't hear. He said the fake office. I mean, it's true, but it's still a good scene. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Grange Hill came onto our screens. It was created by producer Phil Redman, who also created shows like Hollyoaks and Brookside, which would be very familiar to uh, some of our northern listeners in the UK. So Grange Hill is centered on the fictional comprehensive school which was called Grange Hill, which was set in the equally fictitious North London borough of Northam. I mean, Grange Hill is a real place, but Northam isn't. And so, yeah, basically the kind of sort of, the, the basic of it is that it kind of follows staff and pupils of the inner city London comprehensive school. Now, before we actually get into some of the themes of Grange Hill, I wanted to ask you, Chris, what were your first impressions? So the very first thing you saw at Grange Hill, and what was your first impression? Well, the first impression was I was watching some of the stuff at the beginning because you gave me like clips and episodes yeah. um, in chronological order. Mm -hmm. So at the beginning, I was like um, really thrown off by the very like 70s theme song. <laughs> and then the gritty way that the, the actual show is shot like yeah. it's very it's very jarring mm -hmm. and then um the fact that there's zero music anywhere except for the beginning and the end yeah is really crazy but it makes for more impact in some of the storylines later on but uh the, the tucker jenkins stuff at the beginning I was actually like, why is this such a big thing to abs? Like, this isn't, <laughs> this doesn't seem like much of anything. Like, it's just a bunch of kids screwing around is what it seemed like at first. But then when I started getting, like, further into the chronology, like, the the Gripper stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah. Later, the Zamo stuff, like, I was like, oh, I get it. This is, this is really good, and this is, this goes there. <laughs> um, But initially, I was like, this is jarring and really, I don't get it. Um, it took me 
a number of clips and episodes to kind of like understand yeah. what was happening and really like get how the show worked. I mean, the, like I said, the best way we can do it is the sort of chronological. So we can start with the early years and as I say, the Tucker Jenkins years. So obviously this was kind of centered around Peter Jenkins, who also is known as Tucker. So he's basically an unruly, cheeky chappy, but he's got a good heart. He kind of looks out for his friends. He is quite clever, but he doesn't sort of pay attention too much to school. Also, you got his sort of best mates, Alan and Benny. And also, you know, you got Trisha, who he calls Pogo, which I never really understood. And then when I realized it's because she's got the long sort of face and Pogo from 101 Dalmatians, that's when I thought, okay, that is where... <laughs> That is where he, you know, that oh, sort of Oh, I didn't get that from. either. Yeah, I, I, I realized it's from 101 Dalmatians. And I think... That's kind of mean. <laughs> yeah, because he'd be like, oh, all right, Pogo. And she'd be like, watch it, Tucker. And he's yeah. like, you know, eh, Pogo. Yeah. But it's, uh, yeah, <laughs> that was uh, quite a good one. So I think from the first series, actually, the episode that kind of really got to me or really made impression on me was when uh, Benny and Trisha, they're both disillusioned with Grange Hill, but for different reasons. Like Benny, he doesn't like, you know, being called gollywog and all the other sort of derogatory terms that Michael Doyle, the, the kid with the blonde hair, keeps calling him. So like being racist and like Trisha doesn't really like the rules. And so they both end up finding each other in a museum. And then their teacher, Mr. Mitchell, sorts of comes... And he has a word with them both. And what he says to Benny is really nice, really lovely. He's just basically saying, look, you know, you're going to meet people like Michael Dole the whole of your life. The best you can do now is, you know, try and sort of front it up and deal with it, even though you really shouldn't have to. But I think what he was kind of saying to Benny at the time was, look, this is what happens. And, you know, there are, you know, good things and you've got, good friends in Grange Hill that will look out for you, such as Tucker and Alan and Michael. They had their little group called the Tremblers. So, you know, he was saying, look, there are some good things about it. And also just, yeah, things, things, things can only get better. Just like the song, Chris. Mm. Yes. Just like the song. And also some of the, uh, the things about series two that I kind of picked up was, was uh, there was a, a student protest. So SAG, they were called, the Student Action Group. And they were basically against, you know, school uniform. They kind of wanted not to wear school uniform. They kind of wanted more freedom with the school paper and things like that. So that kind of whole theme kind of sort of took over with uh, Series 2. And also kind of Tucker's like looking out for his friend Benny because he was kind of sort of deliberately left out to sit on his own because he gets free school meals and everyone and like Michael Doyle and his mates were like taking a mick out of him for having free school meals. And Tucker was basically saying that, you know, kids shouldn't have to be separated just because they have free school meals and that everybody should be allowed to sit where they want to sit. So he kind of gets involved with that. And uh, as, you know, as he starts to grow up in series three, we see, I think, the first death in Grange Hill. So this was when basically Tucker and Alan, they basically go to the shopping center and they uh, 
tilts a get up to no good. And I think one of the students, which I will find his name, it's... Where's his name? Ah, Anthony Carra Monopolis. Basically, he, you know, he and another student, they basically climb up the car park and one of the students goes to Anthony, oh, I dare you to walk along this sort of bridge or whatnot. And he basically falls to his death. So that was, um, yeah, one of the kind of the first sort of deaths in Grange Hill. And you're like, oh my God, like this show is for real. Like they don't, play that was like one of the um the sort of things that you kind of sort of take from that and in series four which i think was tucker's biggest storyline he gets into a bit of bother with another student called booger benson so he was like the original hard nut before gripper i mean he gripper was like crazy but like i think booger might have been would have given Gripper a run for his money. And so basically Tucker catches Booger vandalizing Mr. Baxter's office. But Booger basically threatens him and says, if you tell anyone, you're going to get it. And because Tucker doesn't say anything, the school disco might get cancelled. But Tucker sort of tells the teachers it was Booger who did it. And basically Booger, he gets to Tucker and basically, yeah, he attacks him and Tucker ends up going to hospital and yeah i think that's probably the the very last sort of major storyline that he'd had in grange hill and because tucker was such a popular character he had his own spin-off show in 1983 called tucker's luck so this is basically when tucker leaves school he's struggling because he doesn't have a job he's unemployed he has to basically sign on and get job seekers allowance so it goes on for three seasons and I think in the end, Tucker decides to try and go back to school and try and get his education. And in the very last sort of scene of Tucker's luck, he bumps into Trisha. So it kind of ends with Tucker and Trisha just basically talking and catching up. And so that's how that show ends. So any any comments about the Tucker Jenkins years? Well, it definitely got more serious than I saw. Um, <laughs> that's good. I mean, he seemed like you know, like a good enough character, but yeah, like a, like a lovable goof kind of. Yeah. Stuff yeah. I saw. Yeah. You know, he's like kind of giving his friends a hard time, but yeah. he's clearly like still a good guy. Oh, flippy uh, neck. Yeah. That's like he's a classic famous expression. Yeah. I'll flippy neck. Yeah. But yeah, that was serious stuff. I, I didn't see any of that. Yeah. Part, but like that all sounds pretty good. Yeah. So it was, he was played by Todd Carty who ends up in EastEnders. Maybe if you've heard of EastEnders or not, or I don't know. I mean, I've heard of it. I haven't been there. Yeah, he uh, he, he ends up being in EastEnders, which most Grain Chill characters end up actually going to EastEnders. He plays a character called Mark Fowler, who actually ends up dying of HIV. Uh-huh. So yeah, that was... Uh, yeah, Todd Tod Carty ends up playing Mark Fowler. So that was uh, an interesting uh, interesting part. So now we move on to the next section of Grange Hill, which, whew, deep breath, deep breath. We're going to be talking about Gripper Stepson and basically his error. Now, when I say that name, Norman Gripper Stepson, what, what, what are your first thoughts? Uh, well, he's the worst. <laughs> that kid is uh, awful. 
he does nothing but terrible things. Yeah. Every single thing I watched with him was like, I hate this kid. I mm-hmm. hope terrible things happen to this kid. Yeah. <laughs> I think every time you see him, you're just like, you, you're waiting for me for his comeuppance. Yep. You're, you're waiting for him to, to get what he, get what he deserves, get, he's just deserts. But right. I think the longer it dragged on, the more powerful it became. And then the more powerful it became, the more, for want of a better expression, gripping it became. <laughs> so it was, yeah, I mean, because initially when Gripper was sort of introduced, it was a case of he was picking on Roland, who was played by Erkan Mustafa, who was like a sort of small chubby kid with glasses. Very, very easy target. And once sort of Gripper realizes, oh, he's always going to the tuck shop and buying loads and loads of food, Gripper uses that as an opportunity to not only like get food off him, but kind of get money off him. So initially, that's how it kind of starts, where he's just going up to little kids and he's just basically scamming them or not scamming them, but basically using physical force to just get money out of them. So that's where it kind of started. And he also runs into Zamo and Zamo's friend Jonah. So he's basically making their lives miserable as well. And that's how it kind of starts. And then in sort of series six, we kind of see uh, a Sikh student called Randir Singh. And because Randir kind of sort of talks to Claire, who Gripper liked, that kind of, you know, rubbed up Gripper in the wrong way. And so he was just like, you know, well, I don't really like you and I don't really like how you're just coming to the school and just acting like it's all yours. So initially that's how it kind of started with the whole racism. And he just took it to a whole nother level. It was just like, right, I don't like Asian kids. I don't like black kids. I just basically don't like any kid who isn't white. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I didn't, the stuff you sent me, I didn't see the introduction of him. Mm-hmm. You just sent me where it starts with uh, Randy, right? Randir, yeah. Randir, yeah. It just started with like him. like So he's talking to his family in the kitchen in the morning before yeah, he goes yeah, to school. Yeah, yeah. And um, jumping from that, from like Tucker Jenkins stuff, was like, wow, okay, we're getting even more diverse <laughs> like really fast. Um, yeah. Um, because it wasn't all like white kids during the Tucker stuff but no, still no. like it yeah. was like wow we're getting even more diverse okay yeah, this is interesting yeah yeah um but yeah See, that was gripper is just like a total jerk to him mm. just because he has like a small little conversation with claire like it's not even anything like important no it's just talking about their options for exams and things like that yeah yeah and it's just like yeah as you were saying like how it kind of starts with randir and his family in the kitchen like you're looking at that and that probably came out what series six probably what 1984 and that's like oh my god you're you know people are being introduced to a family that's you know all the males are wearing turbans they're all Sikhs and it's like this is from 1984 like whoa like Phil Redman wasn't afraid to to go there and kind of say look this is a multiracial diverse you know community like multicultural so we're gonna have to show especially in inner city London, we're going to show that this this is very much a thing. We're not going to just make it all white and, you know, 
sort of hide the diversity of that sort of particular area. So that was something that was really poignant and really stood out for 1984. Yeah, I mean, I thought that was really cool. Like, that definitely wasn't happening in America. Um, <laughs> I mean, it didn't even start happening in America until, I don't know, 2002 or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, I was that was really cool. Yeah. And then you got Gripper going around to all the white kids basically going, we're going to make life hard for what he felt was quote unquote foreigners. So yeah. he's basically going up to every white kid going, you know, you're going to pledge allegiance to the British race and, you know, the white man is superior and all of this stuff. And, you know, one of the kids, Stewpot, he was like, you know what, you make me ashamed to be British. And right. I loved when he just said that. He's just like, I'm not going to do your allegiance thing. You know, you make me ashamed. People like you make me ashamed to be British and things like that. And I was just like, that was really, really, really great to see. And, you know, as we were kind of talking prior to the podcast, we kind of see some of the most powerful acting of that era, of that sort of time. And one of the things I think we spoke about was uh, Precious Matthews and how she was a, a black student and she had her paper, her geography project crumpled up and then she just basically stands up to grip her and, you know, she's talking really slowly and you can hear her voice shaking and it was just so real. It was just, you can feel every single word of her saying that to, to grip her and I just thought that was, that was brilliant to see. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, it's obviously good that... Um kids are standing up to someone like Gripper, especially way back then, but yeah, especially in light of how like that could air now and it would be powerful. Right. Cause like yeah, the way yeah, the world absolutely. is now, but, um, I thought it was especially cool that they had some of the other white kids being like uncomfortable with how it was going and like, yeah, I don't really like this and the conflict of that as well. Not just, um, Gripper versus other kids of different, um, races. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so that's like an extra depth of dimension that i wasn't sure i was gonna see at first when this started developing and that yeah. was i thought that was really cool and ultimately gripper does get his comeuppance when he comes back from suspension so he just basically goes on an absolute tear when he comes back he basically goes up to claire and he confronts her because i think claire wrote some stuff about him in the school newspaper so he basically gets like the dirty mop and he just kind of puts water all over her he goes up to Randy and he has him locked up in a toilet and he's like throwing toilet tissues, him and his friends. And also he's trying to get money off Pogo Patterson because apparently he wrote a love letter to a girl and he's basically extorting Pogo saying, you know, if you don't give me money, I'm going to tell the whole school about your your love letter. And prior to Gripper getting suspended, there was a, a really, again, a powerful, poignant, scene that mr baxter kind of is a part of and not once in this episode but twice so in initially he grabs gripper and he's just like you know i will wash your mouth out with soap boy like how dare you talk like this and he's saying to his friends like how can you leech onto this guy like he's rotten and he's evil and when he does come back and all the kids you know meet gripper in the toilet and they're basically about to beat him up and then mr baxter walks in and he's just like i could have easily have just stood outside and let them do this to you 
and he was just like, we never ever should have let you back in the school. And he was like, we're going to make sure that you get suspended permanently and you're never ever to come back, you evil so-and-so. And again, with those two scenes with Mr. Baxter, and he's also saying to the kids, look, we let you down because we let him back. But this time, we're going to make it permanent. So that was another really powerful scene in Grange Hill, which I thought this was just magnificent television. Yeah, I mean, uh, I just thought that whole thing was like really, really good. I was completely engrossed in all of it. I, I spent way longer watching Grange Hill than I thought I was going to because <laughs> I thought I needed to see how that happened. Yeah. So in terms of the Gripper story, how it came to an end is basically he comes back from suspension and he just basically causes even more havoc by confronting every student that basically wronged him. So he goes after Claire, who wrote in a school article about how much of a racist bully Gripper is and how much of a thug he is. And so what he does is he gets like a, a bucket which has like dirty water in it and he gets the mop and he just basically tries to rinse her mouth out with it. And uh, yeah, he does that. <laughs> Yikes, that's gross. Yeah, he, he does that. And then he goes after Randy, the Sikh student, and he just basically causes his life even more more of a misery. He locks him in a toilet and he's throwing toilet tissue. There's another student in his class, Pogo Patterson. He basically goes after him and he tries to get money out of him or he'll reveal what's in a, a love letter that he wrote. So he try and causes all of that misery and basically Mr. Baxter comes to stop him when he's first initially in the toilets with Randir throwing all the toilet paper and he goes on a, a, a massive rant about that and he basically is like, you know, I'm going to wash your mouth out with soap. You know, you're poison, you're a horrible student. And basically, if you get up to any kind of trouble, this time we're going to make your suspension permanent. And then the next time around, Mr. Baxter is like, I could have stopped outside the door because basically all the students, white, black, you name it, all unite. And they're like, enough is enough. We're going to we're going to stop Gripper once and for all. And so they're in the toilet and they're about to basically give him and his mates a, a good hiding. But then Mr. Baxter stops them and he's like, look, I can't let you guys do this. But I apologize. We should never should have let him back. And this time we're going to make the exclusion permanent. And as I was saying with all the other scenes, this was, a, again, a really powerful moment in Grange Hill. It was very, watching it, it's very satisfying. And you're thinking, oh, finally, this is the payoff that we're all looking for. Gripper is going to get his just desserts. And this was, yeah, a scene that I, I really, really loved. I mean, I, I didn't see that part because I wasn't on the homework list. <laughs> but it sounds like something I need to definitely go watch because uh, I really need to see more uh, stuff happen to Gripper because he sucks. <laughs> yeah, I think you just saw like when he was during his like reign of terror, like his run where he's like just causing complete and utter chaos in and around Grange Hill. And 
Yeah, you know? the only real like payback I saw him get was when uh, that girl stood up to him after he ruined her project. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was uh, again. If it was one one of the couple of things that I would definitely advise you all to go out of your way and check, uh, Precious Matthews, played by Julie Laser, brilliant actress. It was a brilliant, brilliant scene. And yeah, as much as we all hate Gripper, I think Mark Savage, the actor, he did a a magnificent job. Because if I if I didn't hate Gripper, he ain't doing his job. Right. Essentially, yeah, it's. The story wouldn't have worked as well if yeah. he was like nicer or not as well acted or something. Or or not as really into the character. Because apparently as a person backstage, he was really popular. Like mm. everybody really, really liked Mark Savage. And when he eventually had to leave, it was one of those where, oh man, do you really have to leave? Like, can't you just stay? Because like I said, like people genuinely loved having him around. And this is like not as the character, but like as Mark Savage, the human mm-hmm. being. Like, if you boil it down to that, then yeah, he's he's done his job. He's portrayed that message that at that time and even to this day, there are still people like Gripper Stepson who who are so real with their hatred and vitriol that you're watching it and you're you genuinely think. When is he going to get his just desserts? You're just watching every episode thinking, oh, is it today? Or is it today? Is it today? Mm-hmm. And when it finally does happen, it's one of those like gratifying and satisfying moments. And even as Grange Hill from that point on went on for another 20, 25 years, there wasn't a character that came anywhere near as close to having the the impact and the that that gripper had mm-hmm. i mean since i rushed through it all in like four hours uh <laughs> i feel like it's weird for me to say that i agree with that but that that era of stuff that you gave me to watch yeah. is definitely the most engaging yeah and even as we go through the other the other parts of, of grange hill like the 80s in particular as we're going to go on to zamo in a minute is when it was really the golden era, the the, the height of like Grange Hill's success in terms of the storyline, in terms of the acting, in terms of the characters. I mean, bully characters come and go. I mean, we had Imelda, who was, I think, a few years after Gripper. She was uh, a bit of a uh, an evil bully, but she was never really to the to the extent of of Gripper. And the, again, throughout the years, there were plenty of like characters who were sort of the villains, the antagonists. But again, they never reached the the, the level of of hate and the level of that despised feeling that you would feel towards a character like you would for for Gripper. Yeah. Uh, again, it feels weird for me to say that I agree with that, but. Uh, it seemed like there was more like, at least in the American kind of high school shows. Yeah, the, yeah. The other bully characters that I was mm-hmm. seeing were more like those, the typical like, hey, get out of the way, nerd. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, more more like that type of thing. Versus yeah, Gripper. yeah, yeah, Gripper, yeah, yeah. Gripper was just like this like 
crazy white supremacist who just like was awful pretty much yeah yeah and so now we go on to the third sort of theme of Grange Hill and this is the sort of how they dealt with drugs and in particular one of the characters Zamo so like how he kind of falls into a a spiral where things in his life are just kind of going wrong i think he breaks up with his girlfriend and all of a sudden it's just like he finds himself in a position where he's hanging out with the wrong people and then he gets into drugs and then you know throughout he's just like him basically being a fiend and just looking for money looking for drugs looking for any way he could basically score and again zamo was played brilliantly by lee mcdonald who He's recently was cast in EastEnders, so you know I think he's a he's a, he's a wonderful actor and he played he plays the role brilliantly well. Um, yeah. So in the the like outline and everything that you gave me, you you said that this was the Zamo drug era. Yeah. And I'm thi- thinking because of the way that that type of thing happened in America. Yeah. It, it would be like okay, he like smoked a joint or something. Um, because that's the type of thing they would do on say by the bell or something mm. or like took some pills um you know to like help study or something yeah yeah but that is not what happened no this dude gets into serious drugs we're talking like heroin yeah. and it was shocking <laughs> like like he starts descending and like the first one that you tell me to watch i'm like okay he looks like he's in rough shape, but like, yeah, said what's going on. Yeah. His, yeah. His eyes don't look very good and yeah. stuff like that. But then when you start to really like see that he's like buying heroin and like, I was just like, Whoa, <laughs> I know. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> like, I think one of the most iconic scenes in, I think probably British television history is the end of episode 14 of series nine, where, Basically, Roland finds Zamo lying in the sort of at the back of the arcade where his eyes are just rolled out, and you could just see like the 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 package of drugs on the floor, and it just kind of ends with like it doesn't have the end credit music. It's just basically him lying on the floor with his eyes just completely like just dazed, and it's just like this guy has been taking some hard hard drugs. And you're watching that back then. It's, yeah, like I said, it's one of the most hard-hitting, iconic, memorable in all of like British television history for me. Yeah, and you know that I um, I saw that, and I was really happy that they didn't put the end theme there. Yeah, because yeah. some of the stuff with um, like Gripper was like minimized for me when like there would be like an ending thing that was like impactful and then yeah. that, like cheesy theme yeah. comes on immediately <laughs> it was like yeah it was a little like whoa he just basically like dropped like racial slurs and now yeah he hit me with this 70s theme yeah and so i was really gl- glad that like they started experimenting more with like not doing that in the credits during yeah. some of the zamo stuff that was i but really yeah. like that like from an art artistic standpoint mm-hmm. that was really good and you just it's just yeah like i if i think of grange hill and like the one of or if not the most thing that i will sort of take away it's just yeah it's zamo on the floor 
with his eyes rolled out and he's on drugs like it's i can't emphasize or you know put that over enough because it's just it's so powerful it's so real and you're thinking this is a, a kid's show this is yeah, but meant to be for kids yeah it's really crazy i didn't even feel like i was watching a kid's show yeah i i actually was impacted more though when um his mom calls the cops on him yeah like, she yeah. goes to the school and um says like i don't want to do this yeah I, I have to do this yeah and you know again that's so episode, real and and in that episode he's also trying to convince his sister that he's not an addict you know he like, yeah. flushes stuff down the sink yeah even though he steals mom's card and he's getting money to go buy drugs again yeah and so she's like yeah i know he's gonna have them on him do it the police need to show up and you know, he's like fighting with his friends. The police show up. Like that scene was nuts. Yeah. I'm still thinking about it. Like yeah. I watched that two days ago, and I'm still thinking how crazy that was. Yeah. And then there's like a whole thing where he's like, with his calculator in the exam, right. and he's just like, you know, don't take this calculator away from me. And then you realize why, and it's just like white powder is found in the calculator. Yeah. And he's trying to like desperately sort of scoop up as much as he can and then the police the head teacher mrs mccluskey and mr kennedy and his mum, and the police all kind of break in and they're just basically just trying to go out of their way to 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 stop him because he's he's out of control and I, again i think lee mcdonald sort of plays the the crazed drug fiend brilliantly well like you you genuinely believe he's on drugs and you you believe that he really really wants that one last fix or that, you know, whatever it is that people who are addicted to drugs kind of do. And you're, you're watching that and you're like, you, you, you believe him. You, you kind of feel every scene, every moment, you know, even with, with his mom and, you know, his sister and, you know, his girlfriend, Jackie, and it's, you're watching it and you're like, Oh man, this is just, it's too real. Yeah. Again, there was nothing even close to that. Maybe even still now. Yeah. In America, yeah, America yeah. And that like covered that in America. Like it's definitely not hard stuff like heroin. Like that, that yeah. type of thing would be almost on like law and order and the person yeah. died. And then they're yeah. like trying to track down the drug dealer. It's less about like the person's struggle and stuff like yeah, that is insane that that's a kid's show. Like, absolutely. I can't, I can't get over it. I really, I really can't. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Me too. And I think with stories like this, there were a lot of people kind of telling Phil Redmond, like, dude, what the hell? This is meant to be a kid's show. It's meant to be corny. It's meant to be, you know, oh, you know, a couple making out in, you know, behind the lockers or, you know, behind Not the bike shed and things like that. And it's like, Phil Redmond's like, uh, no, I'm going to make this as gritty and hard hitting and real as possible. I want people to see that this is what happens. I'm not going to turn Grain Chill into some corny sort of thing where, like I said, you're, you'd think how a typical American high school drama would be, like a Sweet Valley High, for want of a, for want of a better show. But he was like, I'm going to make this as hard-hitting and as real and gritty as possible. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... I thought it was awesome. Mm. And as a result of this storyline, the Grange Hill cast 
released Just Say No, uh, a single back in uh, 1986. Now, what did you think of the song? Well, I made the dumb choice of watching it before I had watched this part of Grange Hill. <laughs> I, I, after I watched the Tucker Jenkins stuff, right. when I was like, oh yeah, apps told me to watch uh, this, this drug thing. So I watched that and I just felt like, this is really lame. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, do you think it made it to number one in the charts here? Yeah, probably, because it seems like everything makes it to number one there. <laughs> <laughs> sir, sir, this is, this, is, this is the country that came up with the Beatles, okay? Come on. Yeah, and now you're going to put that at number one. I guarantee you're about to tell me that this Just Say No song went to number one. Well, I can tell you that it didn't go to number one. Oh, good. <laughs> That's good. It, it actually entered the charts at number twenty-six. Oh, okay. And then and it, it went up to number two. It, no, no. It, uh, the highest, the highest position it went to was number five. Okay, still, come on, man. What? Number five? That's oh, it's, it's not good. Catchy. No. Just, just say no. I mean, people who listen to that song might get into drugs listening to that but it's like you know <laughs> that's what i'm saying it might it might drive them to drugs like what did i just watch yeah it's uh, okay the okay let me say this actually the song itself is fine the song is basically like the we are the world thing that like yeah. all the pop stars in america did right mm. but the song is probably a little better <laughs> but the video is awful <sighs> Uh, I don't need to watch them singing it in the studio. Like I, I don't. I think that, that was kind of like the, the classic sort of backdrop for like any sort of celebrity doing a music video. It would just well, yeah. it'd be them in the studio just going. Yeah, uh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly yeah, what it was. Sing. <laughs> yeah, back in the eighties, that's exactly what it was. But that's why yeah. I felt like this was not that good because I didn't know who any of these kids were. No. And so, so I can understand why that would have worked. Because you knew who the kids were, the story that was happening now, like that would yeah. be really good. I get that now. But at, when I first watched it, I was like, this is stupid. I don't need to see these kids singing. I <laughs> <laughs> I really, at the time, I was about to message you, like, I hate you for making me watch this. This is so stupid. Uh, but you know what? They would have reached number one if it wasn't for that pesky George Michael, who was number mm. one at the time with a different corner. Oh, wow. See, look, a different corner is fine, but a number one song, come on. I, I think it's a number one song. Well, of course you do, because you lived the era when it was. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would actually say it's one of George Michael's best songs. Yeah, it's good, but that's not, it doesn't, that type of thing doesn't chart here. Just because it's like a good song doesn't You know what, I've actually here. seen like American music charts. It's literally like one song for like, three months and then yeah, exactly. another song for three months like give someone else a chance oh, well i agree with that but that's not what happens here i mean it's it's no wonder that british artists won't you know think oh let me give america a go because they bloody won't be able to get to number one right unless they're like really really good well i mean that's a totally different topic but like people don't really take chances out here 
like <laughs> the uh, the the people might listen to stuff, but the radio stations and the VH1s and all MTVs mm. they don't really play different stuff. So yeah. while 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 you're mocking, just say no. The Grange Hill cast actually went all the way to the White House. They were invited by First Lady Nancy Reagan, who had obviously wow. started the Just Say No anti-drugs campaign. And so yeah. they were invited to perform at the White House. Wow. So Zamo cool. made it all the way to the White House. Wow, that's cool. I hope he left his drugs in the UK. <laughs> Funny you should say that. One of the, the, the actors, Erkan Mustafa, who played Roland... He was accused of smoking a joint in the White House toilets, <laughs> which which he very vehemently denied. How would you even get it in there? That's that's. I think that was what his point was. Like, how am I going to get drugs in there? Like, what are you talking about? So yeah, Erkan, mm. um, don't get your lawyers on us. We yeah, know well, you the, didn't uh, do it. We believe you. You did not smoke a joint in the White House toilets. Uh, I believe that he didn't do that, but I believe he probably did other places because that song drove him to it. <laughs> you know, I, I listened to it and like I'm about maybe 15, 20 seconds into it and I'm regretting it. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm see? like, what am I doing? And then I just thought, you know what? Okay, because I've got a podcast and it's important. I'm going to... Listen to this song to the bitter end, whether I like it or not. And okay, maybe I didn't like it. And it makes a ton of sense why it didn't go to number one. But yeah, you know, when, and when you see who's number one, it's like, okay, fair enough. It's, it's George Michael. So he's just about, you know, on the cusp of his solo run. So you might not appreciate it, but there are plenty of people out there who agree with me that George Michael and A Different Corner, great song, deserve to be number one. No, 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 no. I do think it's a great song. I you just, just don't think it's number one? Well, it's be, being American, it's hard for me to visualize that as a number one because I know how things work here. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm just so used to my whole life being like yeah that song's great and i'll never hear it on the radio mm. and we have learned so much about you today chris <laughs> but also the the other thing about the the grange hill song is that in america every tv show was doing anti-drug songs during that time yeah in the in the the like mid to late 80s and the early 90s they all had stupid songs. <laughs> and so that's also like a thing I'm really like not into because I've heard so many, like even the Ninja Turtles did one. What? Yeah. Like they had a, I, I don't know if it made it over overseas, but they had like a tour, the coming out of our shells tour. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Th there was like a live video you could get from pizza hut. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> on that, thing they have a song about not doing drugs oh i see and it's see. very bad i mean all of those songs are very bad but that song especially is very bad i'm sure and it so, is so like if it's like that often that we get songs like that i'm sorry it's just like okay i'm seeing another one like this even yeah. though it's from the uk <laughs> <laughs> i mean i know you don't think much of our music 
Chris. That's but. entirely not true. <laughs> that is entirely not true. I mean, it's 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 okay, Chris. We'll oh. we'll, we'll we'll try and pick more friendlier songs for you. Oh boy, here we go. <laughs> now we're going on to Grange Hill in the nineties. Now this is when the the show actually has a, a complete makeover. They have a, a new theme song, which was written by Peter Moss, who was a fan of uh, the band Squiddy Politi. And the theme song was based on their song, Lover to Fall. Now, if you hear both songs, would you say that they sound quite similar? And are you aware of the works of Squiddy Politi? <laughs> Yes, I know Scrooge Politi. They play them on one of the channels I listen to on uh, Sirius XM. Uh huh. Um, and yeah, I agree. They do sound pretty similar. They have a similar like bass line. The the keyboard has a similar tone. Um, definitely the same key. Yeah, yeah. They do sound like you can hear the similar. I wouldn't if I heard the the song, the Scrooge Politi song separately. Mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't have thought that, but hearing them basically back to back, yeah, I totally get it. Because it's got that... It's got that yeah, there's yeah. a similar, like, progression. Yeah, it's very mm. similar. But yeah, like, yeah, because when, when I heard the the theme song in full of Grange Hill, and then it says, oh, you know, Peter Moss was... He liked the song Lover to Fall, and he kind of bases it on that. And then when you, yeah, again, when you put it head to head or, like, kind of besides each other, then you kind of see the the the, the kind of the subtle... The subtle similarities where you, ha- like I said, the so it's kind of got that, but yeah, it, it is, it, it's not that similar, like it's not identical almost, but it is, yeah, very, very, very similar. And yeah, I mean, it didn't, Grain Chill in the 90s didn't get the same kind of media attention that it got with, you know, some of the sort of storylines of, you know, the drugs and the race. and. Oh, I did. I did actually forget to mention there was um, a character who actually died of an overdose in Grain Chill. This was in series twelve, so kind of like sort of nineteen eighty nine, just before uh, nineteen ninety. I think Danny Kendall. He was like a, a student. He was quite quiet, quite aloof. Didn't really like school, and every time he tried to get involved, there would be one of the teachers, Mister Bronson who was, uh, again, a really iconic, famous teacher of Grange Hill. And Mr. Bronson just made Danny Kendall's life a misery. And so Danny Kendall takes his car and he just parks it somewhere and he's literally just found dead in the car. And, you know, it's one of those where you didn't have the theme song. It just kind of ends with him found by fellow students. He's just, yeah, lying dead in the car. So that was quite... Man, that is intense. Yeah. yeah, that's intense. Wow. Very, very intense. And yeah, so I just wanted to make a note of that before we go on to the 90s. But yeah, so like, again, Grain Chill didn't hold back with the storylines and, you know, the characters that they brought in. So they brought in characters with disabilities. So you had um, a character who had dwarfism and you had... Francesca Martinez, who is now a famous sort of journalist slash activist, she was in Grange Hill and she has cerebral palsy and she was in Grange Hill and it was kind of like sort of they were sort of brought in to make them like part of the gang so they wouldn't kind of be, you know, made to feel or look different. They would just, 
He's just like any any other character in Grange Hill who, you know, would kind of go through the same, you know, issues and strife that any sort of teenager would go in high school. So that was something that Grange Hill sort of continued in the 90s. And also, I think one of the uh, the stories that I think we kind of mentioned was um, one of the characters, Lucy Mitchell, who whose mum died of a HIV-related disease. And, you know, it kind of spreads around in school and and it just basically becomes a whole thing where all the students are really hostile towards her because they don't really know or understand, you know, the HIV disease and they don't understand what it is. And, you know, if you don't understand something, the the natural reaction would be is to be hostile to it. Yeah, and her dad even, like, doesn't understand it. He's like kind of like having a meltdown at first thinking she had an affair. Yeah. Yeah. And Lucy is like, how could you think that? And yeah. He's like, well, I, I didn't understand it. Like I had to talk more with the doctors and all yeah, this. And yeah. that's kind of like, that's actually a pretty reasonable, like, um, I guess uh, way yeah. to react. Like, I don't know how I would react yeah. at least back then. Like now I know how I would react, but like in the nineties, there's still so many questions about like how HIV worked and stuff. So, yeah. Um, I can understand why her dad would react that way. Mm. And again, like with the, all the kids, they're like, you know, we don't want to get in the in the water with you, just in case we catch it. And even some of the teachers are all a bit weird and hostile about it. But there's like yeah, one kind of teacher who, Mr. Brisley, he was like, you know, really, really understanding. He was someone who kind of went out of his way to say, look. You know, it's not such a not such a big thing. It's not such a big deal. I think there was a scene where he's literally sitting down with her and he's holding her hand and she's like, you're not scared. You're not you're not kind of bulking. You're you're holding my hand. He's like, there's nothing at all wrong with you. You can speak to your advisors. We can figure it out together. It's just a really lovely, lovely scene. And, you know, he's prayed brilliantly by the teacher and the student it was just one of those where i get you i understand i understand you and i'm not going to be afraid of you whereas you had some of the other teachers who were like you know oh what happens if she gets a cut and she starts bleeding i'm not going to touch her or i'm not going to do anything without wearing gloves and you have one of the parents come into the school and they're like oh what are we going to do someone you know students got aids and it's just yeah it was just the whole the way they kind of did it at that time, I thought they did that really, really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember um, uh, there's a few different shows that tried to do something about HIV. Yeah. But it wasn't very good, like to the point where I, I don't totally remember it that well. But it was like the type of thing that needed to be talked about in America. Definitely. Um, because, uh, I mean, we had the whole thing where like, Magic Johnson like retired from basketball because players wouldn't be around him and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so like everyone in America was thinking about it. You know the the Tom Hanks movie Philadelphia, mm-hmm. like it was on everyone's mind. Uh, the guy Pedro from the Real World that died. Yeah. Um, but the shows didn't really deal with it very well. Like this is definitely far and away the best way that I've seen it portrayed from that time period. Yeah. And I think one of the other kind of significant stories from the 90s was um, Chrissy Mainwaring who was pregnant and the school kind of 
sort of did a, a you know as you do in a school with gossip the kids started spreading the rumor that the teacher was mr van der groot who was like one of the, the teachers there and it obviously wasn't him and he's kind of like oh what what's going on what's going on i i didn't do anything and they're like you know look this student is pregnant there's a rumor like what what have you got to say for it and it kind of turns out that he was very friendly with some of the the students but it was not what what it looked like not what it seemed and obviously in, in the case of because she was pregnant and she had been to his house to help him decorate but it was completely innocent but as as it is with certain circumstances two plus two equals 48 and everybody just jumped to the wrong conclusions and yeah obviously i think he ends up losing his job but he was completely innocent and i think chrissy goes on to to have the baby with her boyfriend who i think gets like a job somewhere so they i think they both kind of leave and you know she becomes a mum, and he kind of sorts of says you know what i'm going to look after you and i'm going to look after the baby so that was again a uh, teen pregnancy was i think one of the sort of storylines that you would com it, it would be commonplace in most sort of high school shows and like yeah. that kind of thing. But I think the way again Grange Hill handles it, it's very it's very real, it's very very relatable. So people would watch that and think, Yeah, I can I can relate to this kind of thing. Yeah, that wasn't in some of the stuff I watched, but mm -hmm. um there was tons of teen pregnancy stuff in the shows here. Yeah. Um and I mean, what you're describing does sound at least more in depth because yeah. most of the time it would be just, you know, you have 22 minutes. There's like a new girl that comes to school and she's pregnant because like none of the main characters could become pregnant. Yeah. Whereas um, exactly. You've so got like someone who's prominent and very much in the storylines and she ends up getting pregnant and they sort of focus the story on her a little bit and they try and develop it in the the best way possible and they again they kind of do it in a way where it's very relatable it's very people will watch that and think you know what this is something that i can watch and kind of sort of bring it to my own life story and bring it to my own my own experiences right yeah and i think the last one i'll say in terms of the 90s was uh judy jeffries who uh was kind of a troubled student and she ends up getting um, into it with uh, with Mark and Mark Jones, I think he is. And he's basically a, a tear away. He's a bad boy. And he kind of makes Judy's life a misery. And so Mark gets sort of expelled from the school and he finds Judy in one of the store cupboards because she's got like a bit of paint on her skirt and she's trying to sort of uh, wash it out. And so... Mark kind of, you know, they get locked up in the storeroom and he has a cigarette and, you know, he kind of throws the match on the floor and there's a bit of um, spirit vinegar on the floor and obviously with the match and spirit vinegar, the storeroom goes up in flames and he basically jumps out and he's trying to get Judy to jump out but unfortunately Judy doesn't quite make it and she falls to her death and the kind of weird interesting thing about that is the actress that plays judy jeffries laura sadler she actually died in real life by falling off a building 
Yeah, I read that on Wikipedia and I was shocked. Yeah. We and 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 it's so funny. Like this is not the last we've heard of Laura Sadler because she's going to be in a program that we talk about down the line. So okay, we're gonna see plenty of uh, Laura Sadler. But yeah, that's the fun, the coincident, thi- coincidental thing was, yeah, in real life because she was an actress in Holby City. But I think it was one of those where she was really really drunk and she basically falls off a building. And falls to her death in a sort of similar fate to her character in in Grange Hill. That's awful. <laughs> that is awful. Really, it is. Really, it is. Yeah, it's, it, she was very young as well. I think she was only like twenty three, twenty four when she when she Ugh. passed. Yikes! That was very uh, unfortunate. And now yeah, the awful. kind of the final sort of theme is basically Grange Hill's decline and the fact that they moved to a completely different city. So kind of like in 2002, Phil Redman wanted to kind of move the, the show to the north, the north of England because he kind of wanted the he kind of wanted to mix it up because obviously Grange Hill was based here in, in London. So obviously all the kids mainly, you know, had Cockney accents, but he kind of wanted to show off the diversity of the, the UK. So he kind of wanted you know, people with more northern accents. So instead of talking like this, they're all started talking like this with a Scouse accent. And, you know, they're going, oh, oh my God, I'm going to Grange Hill. And I'm so excited to start my first day at school and and all that stuff. And which was a nightmare because we're, we're all watching it as kids thinking, you know, oh, you know, Grange Hill is something that we're we can relate to but it's gone up north and you got people with northern accents and but i think it was yeah like i said a way for phil redmond to kind of make the show more diverse and make it a whole nationwide sort of thing and uh in terms of the new series tucker's nephew starts grange hill but he's called togger and he's like you know oh you're right sir I've been really good. Can I play football this week and all of that stuff? And you got him in there. And I think, again, some of the sort of stories were a lot more catered to kids. So I think Phil Redmond was given a remit where he had to make Grange Hill for a certain age group. So it was a case where he really had to dial down the the intense storylines. He had to dial down stories about drugs and race and... If you was going to do that, it was you had to do it to a, a certain level. You can't really tow this line that we're giving you. So, and despite that, there were still some storylines in the sort of newer Grange Hill. So there's a, a newer student, Alex, who is basically the, the Roland of the, the era. He, you know, he's suffering really, really badly with bullying He's getting bullied from his classmates. He's getting bullied from older kids. He's getting picked on because of his weight. And so he basically does like a, a suicide video where he's just basically saying, I hate my life. I'm, and, and it's really, it's actually really, really powerful. It's really well done. It's basically him, you know, doing a, a video going, look, my life, it really sucks. I don't look forward to nothing. And the poignant thing he says was, 
the only time in my life where I feel at ease, at comfort, is at the bottom of the water. So when he's underwater, he's like, that is where I feel the most peace. And basically one of the students is watching this and he's like, you know, oh, crap, I've got to try and save this guy. So he basically gets a rucksack and he fills it up with books and he tries to kill himself. He goes into the bottom of the of the water with all the, the rucksacks and uh, some of the students, they uh, they get to him just in time. So that was probably, yeah, one of the more powerful storylines. Yeah, that one was crazy. That one I'm also still thinking about a couple of days later. Like, yeah. The thing is that it comes out of nowhere a little bit, mm. at least for me, because like I'm just watching this one. Like I hadn't even met this kid before. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like, so you, I, I watched this episode, and he's like definitely having a hard time. But he records these videos. Yeah. And he just there's the boy. I can't remember the kid's name, Spencer. but he's like the he's, Spencer. Yeah, the, Spencer Hargreaves. He's like the video editor. Yeah. And he's working on some cheesy thing for the school. Yeah. And he tells the teacher, like, oh, I need something else to cut in here. It doesn't yeah. work, right? Yeah, yeah. And Alex just, like, leaves this little video in there and just, like, walks away. And Spencer looks over, sees it, and just keeps doing his thing. And you kind of know what it is, but you aren't totally sure. Yeah. And then uh, he fills his bag with all the books and I'm like, is this really about to happen? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he just he dives in the pool. Yeah. And this and Spencer hasn't even watched the tape yet. I'm like, I know. No, hurry up. <laughs> yeah, you, you, he's gonna die otherwise. Yeah, he he watches it, and then it's like slow motion where his he like realizes actually what is happening. Yeah. And then he just takes off running like help 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 help, and all the kids he sees, he's like, come mm. on, come on, come on, come on, and they're giving him CPR. And those those two girls, I can't remember what their story oh, were yeah. or even who they were because they it didn't matter compared yeah, to what Alex yeah, was doing. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're doing something inconsequential, and um, they come in and they run and they go like call uh, whatever your equivalent of nine one one is. Nine nine nine. Nine nine nine. Yeah, yeah. He's like they go call nine 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 and then they're like, yeah, the fight we were doing doesn't matter. You know, Alex ends up fine, but it was like that was terrifying. Yeah. Like the way the way it's shot, like there's no music, there's no. It's just the sounds of the pool and yeah. the sounds of them doing CPR. Like, wow, that is that is intense. Yeah, like even even Phil Redman found a way to make it as powerful as he possibly could within right. his remit. Like I remember watching all of this very very well. Like this is what two thousand and two thousand and three, two thousand and four, maybe. So like I'm watching this and I'm like, this is very very like i'm and i'm watching it and i and i I saw this episode again where he's sort of talking about how he feels the most peace under the water and it's just it's so powerful because you don't at the time you're watching it and you're thinking oh why is he killing himself you don't really understand what he's going through and and the mental anguish that he's suffering and now i watch it and i'm thinking this is so powerful this is so real and you understand how someone can feel so low that that he will go to that place in his head because he feels like there's nothing left like i feel so useless he's trying to apologize to his friend because apparently he let her down and she's not having any of it she's like you know what i don't care like yeah you're sorry you're sorry and then you know the two girls in the background giving him a hard time about that 
And it's just like, he feels this is it. This is rock bottom. And I'm going to go to the place where I feel the most peace. And that's under the water. And mm-hmm. I'm just going to end it all right here. Yeah. And then fortunately, as we see, Spencer and Baz come to his aid just in time. Right. And so that was, yeah, you're just watching it. You're like, man, this is, this is heavy. Yeah, it's super heavy. Super heavy. And I think the other sort of really, again, heavy moments was, as I was mentioning, Baz, he was the kid that saved him. He, again, was one of the really sort of significant characters of the new Grange Hill. And basically, he's, again, really, really popular. You know, he's, you know, sort of a stud. You know, all the girls kind of fancy him. And he actually ends up dying as well because he was playing football and, you know, Baz was sort of seeing Tanya, which was basically Togger's girl, um, Tucker's nephew. And they have a game of football and basically Togger just sort of bumps into him and he just has like a cardiac arrest. Like he just gets knocked to the ground and he never gets back up. So he, he kind of dies. So that was a Yeah. Again, you know, you're thinking... I'm telling you, Phil Redman was told to dial it down. And it's like, he hasn't really dialed it down, has he? Yeah, no, not really. No. (laughs) And basically, Grange Hill kind of ends in 2008, where I think Phil Redman wants to go deep and further. But I think he's he's getting resistance. And so he's like, you know what? After 30 years, maybe it's time we called it a day. And so... You know, in 2008, they ended Grange Hill after 31 seasons, 30 years. They decided to bring it to an end. And on the the episode finale, we see uh, Tucker making a return. He comes back and he advises his nephew to stay on in school and give it give it another try. Like, don't leave early. He's saying, you know, don't make the same mistake that I did leaving early you know give give school a, another shot give it another go and just ride it out and basically make a new fresh start so that's kind of how Grange Hill comes to an end and there you have it folks 30 years of Grange Hill yeah we did it Woo! so yeah I mean what lasting memories will you kind of have of this very uk show uh well definitely gripper he is the <laughs> worst um honestly the things that bothered me the most were the alex going in the pool with the the bag of books like the yeah, the shots of him yeah, just like yeah. at the bottom of the pool uh that's definitely gonna stay with me a long time um <laughs> that and the way gripper just like talk to these kids like yeah as great as like intense as like some of the 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 zamo drug stuff was really the way that like gripper was talking it's just like unbelievable that that was on this uh show that was supposed to be for kids yeah that's just shocking and like in the way though the climate of the world is now it's just uh i think that and alex are the two things that are gonna stay with me um yeah the 90s stuff didn't do as much for me mm-hmm. the 
I think it was, you know, well done, the stuff yeah, with, like, yeah. Lucy's mom and the HIV stuff, but that and definitely Tucker didn't stay with me. Like, I'd, I watched that finale, and I didn't really even care that Tucker came back. Like, it was like, okay, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. Do you know the the thing about Alex and his attempted suicide was I was kind of taken aback by how a young kid could think that sort of, deeply or that kind of far ahead in terms of suicide you don't you don't think that a kid who's 13 or 14 at least when i was growing up that you know we all had our fair share of like problems in school and we kind of you know got into fights and it happened to all of us but it never really felt that point where you're thinking i'm gonna get my bag and i'm gonna stuff it with books and i'm gonna throw myself in the deep end of of the swimming pool like it was the way that was kind of a 13 year old child would think that and kind of plan that out that that for me that really that really took me aback that made me really think like wow like that's how you know if things can get as bad as that then maybe kids kids are thinking like that uh, that's actually a huge problem in America. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of kids have killed themselves or try to, especially at that age. Yeah. Um, so the thing is that like, it's not dealt with very well here on TV shows. And so that's sort of why it's standing out to me is that it, that it was handled really well. Yeah. Yeah. And I wish that more kids over here could see it or did see it. Um, because oh. unfortunately yeah. they didn't and nobody helped them and it was too late i was gonna say yeah maybe for you american listeners it might behoove you to uh watch a couple episodes of uh grange hill and kind of see how we here like handled these kind of situations and you'll see that this show in particular really went out of its way out of its depth to deal with these kind of problems and kind of really deal with the powerful issues that we face in society. It's not a case of we're going to just turn it into a a happy-go-lucky high school show. This is going to be the things that happened in high school. I'm watching Grange Hill and I'm like, I can relate to these kind of things. Like, you know, I had my fair share of problems with bullies growing up. Like, you know, I spent some of my years getting bullied at school. So, like, when I see things like that, I'm watching it and I'm like, I can, I can relate to this. I can relate to how kids, what they're going through and, you know, the, the anguish that they feel and how you just kind of don't want to go to school because you don't want to face the bully and you don't want to face the kind of the, the problems in that, in that kind of respect. So that was how, you know, Grange Hill was so iconic. Yep. Definitely. I can certainly see why it would be viewed that way. Definitely. And uh, I think that will be a, a good place to, to end the show. I think, again, with Grain Chill, like I said, 30 years, 30 years, like we could go out of our way and really go into Grain Chill. And who knows, maybe we may just, again, with some of some certain shows, we may go out of our way to, to, to dedicate a whole show to Grain Chill because we may have picked out some of the the themes but there's again there's so much that we haven't spoke about with grange hill like i mentioned danny kendall in passing and 
that was again a, a really powerful moment where he's sort of found dead in Mr. Bronson's car. That's a a really significant moment, and I'm sure you know, 80s kids will probably be looking at that and thinking, yeah, that's a really important thing. But we'll definitely get back to that, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll bring it to an end. And uh, thank you so much for for joining me, Chris. Oh, you're welcome. And where can we find you on socials? So on all socials, I am Cool C is my handle. You can find me there and tell me how uh, I'm the worst as an American. <laughs> I wanted to say that I wanted to um, read a couple of tweets that we got for some of the shows that we did. So we kind of had some cool interactions with the Even Stevens podcast. And the person said, you know, it upset me that Chris literally watched the two worst episodes of Even Stevens to refresh his memory. OMG. <laughs> laugh emoji. Why? How did he land on those two? Other than that, I enjoyed it. So, yeah, thank you, Even Stevens Ranked. Thank you. And thank you well, to Brittany Butler, who runs that account. So, shout out to you, Brittany. And uh, what's your retort, Chris? I mean, I don't have one. Those were the ones that came up on YouTube that were easy to watch. I don't know what to tell you. This wasn't a case where you gave me like links of homework. I just went on there and looked for Even Stevens' full episodes. And <laughs> the first two I clicked didn't work. Those were the next ones that worked. I, I don't know what else to tell you. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, my, one of my good friends, actually, Daniel, he uh, messaged going, uh, I really enjoyed the first episode. It's been years since I watched any of these shows. Tom and Jerry will always be my favorite. And no more Thundercats slander. Again, I'm getting so much Thundercats. I think we've got to do that show down the line, definitely. Yeah, but I think they're going to be real upset when we do it. <laughs> I think all Thundercat takes are painted by nostalgia. Oh, so much people I've spoken to are like, I love Thundercats. I love Thundercats. And... I didn't say that I didn't like Thundercats. I just said I didn't love Thundercats. I, I'm not saying that I don't like it either, but I know for sure that it's not that good when you look back on it now. I agree. Like, it, it's got a lot of issues. I, this is a whole separate thing. Yeah. But we'll, when we'll, you watch we'll, it... We'll get to that, yeah. You guys, yeah, yeah, you we'll guys can it. hate us for Thundercats in a later date anyway. And, yeah, save uh, it for later. Yeah. As for me, you can follow me on Instagram at Abdullah underscore Molim. You can follow the Yesterday's Capers at Yesterday's Capers 1 on Instagram. And on Twitter, we are on Yesterday Capers 1. You can also follow me on Twitter at Abdullah Molim. Thank you so much for listening. Please carry on supporting. We really, really appreciate it. And we really appreciate you sending us emails and tweets and Instagram messages and all of that good stuff. And I promise that I will always read them out. So keep sending them to us. And no matter how bad or good, I will read everything out. And, uh, and on that note, we'll see you next time on Yesterday's Papers. Take care, guys. <laughs>